Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. The National Football League and Aristocrat Gaming are excited to announce NFL-themed slot machines only from Aristocrat Gaming. Visit aristocratgaming.com to learn more about the NFL's and Aristocrats' NFL-themed slot machines. Gambling problem? Please contact the U.S. National Problem Gambling Helpline at 1-800-522-4700. New Jersey at 1-800-GAMBLER. New York at 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y-46769 for 21 and older. This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for Avoid the Maze. And for those of you who have listened to Avoid the Maze, you know it's about our journey in life. And today's journey is um, sort of remarkable. However, I don't think Fitz put this on her bucket list when she was growing up. I don't think she said, someday I'm going to get cancer and I'm going to see it through and I'm going to become stronger for it. I mean, who wants to get sick in their life? Nobody even wants to get a cold today, but we're going to learn about Fitz Kohler and fitness.com. And I'm so glad that you're with us because starting the new year, we all need a little bit of hope and new Cleveland radio for 2022 is talking hope. So Give us a little bit of background, Fitz. Like, what did you think you wanted to happen in your life when you were a young kid? Um, well, I'm going to say not only hope, but power and control of oneself. Because I think that okay. is really the most hopeful thing is how much power we do have over ourselves. But you know what? When I was a kid, at least as I recall back in grade school and my efforts. I wanted to help people. I just wanted to be a contributor. I'm a service-minded person. I'm a raging patriot and I care a lot about others. And I demonstrated that as a youth by being in student government and trying to help people have fun. And I was the birthday clown at the skating rink, <laughs> which was probably a really good precursor to what I do now. Um, but yeah, I wanted to be a contributor and I'm so grateful I pursued the career that I have. I played create a career, but um, going into that, i I started teaching fitness at 14 and uh, I've taught all around the world. I have a master's in exercise and sports sciences. So once I, I knew that I wanted to do it as more of a profession than a job, I decided, hey, I better go get the real deal credentials because I'm going to be managing people's spinal columns, hearts, lungs, and lives for a long time. And it's important to take, you know, like doctors do first right. do no harm. And that comes with knowledge. Uh, but yeah, I've taught fitness in all capacities, mostly via mass media as of the past couple decades. So TV, radio, books, magazines, I do a lot of corporate speaking, spokesperson works and work. And then I'm a race announcer. And that's actually this great gift in my career. You know, being a fitness professional is who I am, but the race announcing is this blessing because I host some of the largest, most iconic running events in the United States, Los Angeles Marathon, Big Sur, Buffalo Marathon, the Wonder Woman, the Justice League series. I 
I bring, well, I don't bring together race organizations, bring together sometimes up to 30,000 athletes for me. And my job is to get them engaged, informed, entertained, but really I'm the ringleader for the fun and make sure everyone who shows up feels welcome, wanted, informed, engaged, entertained. I make sure everybody has a blast at the start line. And then when they come through the finish line, I make sure everybody feels like a champion down to the very last person. And if that last person, I'd say those last 1000 people that are pulling up the rear feel like, holy crap, that was a great day. And they made me feel special. Then I've done my job. So uh, yeah, I, I help people live better and longer. I make lots of noise. That's what I do. Well, I love that. And, you know, I love the theory that finishing the race, no matter where it is, you, right. are, you are your own personal winner. And I remember when my youngest son decided that he wanted to run cross country. He was not a runner. Uh, he was very flat footed, um, but he wanted to do it. And uh, he had difficulty doing it because he was practically the last one to cross the finish line. And I didn't understand it back then. Okay. I wish I could go back 15 years when he was running and yeah. really show him, Hey, you won today. You finished. Um, right. And I think we all have to take on that mentality because we all have different abilities. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit about, you said you started teaching fitness at 14. I mean, 14, <laughs> you're supposed to be out there just having fun, not teaching. Well, there's a couple things that go into that. Um, a, I'm a worker B. I've always been an earner. Even when I was five, my dad would bring me into his office on the weekends to clean. And I loved making my $5 or whatever. I am an earner. I love working. It, it fuels me. Uh, but I blew my knee out playing soccer and I ended up with an MCL repair, which was, you know, I was on crutches for eight months. I think it was a whole draw, drawn out process with lots of physical therapy and pre-surgery. I thought, wow, maybe I went pre-surgery. I had physical therapy and I thought maybe I'd like to do this. This is a great field. You get to help people. I like the gym environment, which I was new to had the surgery came out. They had, I had the cast on and staples. And then once the orthopedic, took, the surgeon took out the staple, sent me downstairs for PT, uh, the PT instantly started messing with my incision. And I thought, well, that's disgusting. No, thank you. I don't want to do that. But thankfully, when they released me, they told my mom, get her to the gym or she's going to re-injure this knee. So my mom lied. She said I was 15, so I could join Spa Lady in South Florida. It's a little women's gym, which was wonderful. And again, I really love the environment. I loved, I loved exercising. I had learned a lot about muscles and how they worked. I started taking classes. I thought the instructors were so cool. And so at some point, you know, I, I had been working at Cinnabon of all places in the mall. <laughs> I was a typical teenager doing whatever I could to earn a buck. And I, I quit Cinnabon and I applied at Spa Lady. And, you know, they said, uh, you know, have you ever taught classes? I said, no, but, um, you know, I'd really like to learn and, blah, blah, blah. And they said, well, what about Friday night? And this was a Tuesday. And thank goodness I'm a gamer because I said, uh, sure, I'll teach class Friday. And what did I know? I had only known from the classes I had taken. So I practiced a little routine in my, my bedroom mirror. And then Friday night, I showed up to about 30 women in the class. And I, I told them straight out, I said, listen, this is first class I'm ever teaching. So I'm going to do my best when we're done. If you could give me some constructive feedback, I'll, I'll take it. And the class actually went pretty darn well. 
And at the end, they said uh, two things. And I remember them very, very clearly. Number one, use your arms a little more. Apparently I was like, great, fine and knees up, but I didn't do a lot with my arm. And then they said, you need to be a little louder. And it's so funny that anyone ever thought I was not loud enough because that's <laughs> I'm noisy. That's why <laughs> people are hashtag noisy when they talk about me. Uh, but yeah, I just fell in love with it. And I instantly started teaching as much as I could. And by the time I was 18, I had come to the University of Florida, taught on campus. And then I ended up getting a job teaching fitness on a cruise ship, traveling throughout Scandinavia, Russia. Um, I did presentations in, in some of the countries. I came back to the University of Florida and instantly was cast in a TV show. And I not only did I find that teaching to the camera was just as comfortable as teaching in a large classroom, but I met so many strangers that would reach out and say, oh my gosh, you've helped me lose weight and you've helped me do this. And I thought, holy cow, I really like reaching out of the box of my little gym circle. And so that's where I fell in love with mass media. And I, I haven't been in a gym setting in over 20 years. I Everything I do is to reach as many people as possible. And I really like it that way. I love that. Well, and especially the last couple of years. I mean, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> the way we have to do a lot of these things. Uh -huh. um, I know that about four or five months ago here in the Cleveland area, uh, my gym contacted me and said, you know, it's safe. You can come in. And um, I said, you know, that's very nice. Uh, I'll keep paying my membership to keep my spot, but I'm not ready to be in okay. that setting. Um, and they now are doing some online training, okay. which is very, very good. But, you know, when we think of exercise, yeah, a lot of us think of it as, oh, this is painful. Why do I want to give up a half hour, an hour of my life each day or five out of seven days to work out? And I used to think that, um, I now ride a stationary bike just about every night. I missed it last night. Um, yesterday was just a lazy day. And I said, you know what? Got to give myself permission. But exercise doesn't have to necessarily be painful. Nope. So give us an idea of when you started this. Obviously, you were young, exuberant, had a lot of energy. Um, you know, you probably made some people, you know, faint just watching you, because uh, I can imagine that. But how do you help somebody who says, you know, yeah, if it's, I want you to help me, but you know what, I, I don't want to hurt. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting how many people disregard exercise. They just have no interest or they think I can't. And really what exercise is, is movement. And it doesn't mean you have to move like a world champion Olympian. You just have to move. So right now you and I are sitting in chairs. If we start lifting our, uh, our arms up and down, we're exercising. Right. And, you know, I was blessed when I started out at this women's center, not only was I teaching to young athletes and so forth, but I was teaching to an elderly population and we would do sit to be fit and we would exercise in the pool. So exercise is just movement and it can be very gentle. And you look at our, our patients in the hospital with spinal cord injuries, the second they start wiggling their toes, they're exercising. And so it's it really just, we have to stop comparing ourselves to 
these Tom Brady or yeah. the the folks running out on around a Miami beach with a thong. A, a exercise is not about looking hot in a bikini. And if you want to, great. I've never looked at a human and said, gee whiz, I got to help this person look hot in a thong. All I've thought is how do I help this person live better and live longer? And it's interesting to me, we, most of us get up every morning, we brush our teeth and we go to bed at night and we brush our teeth before we do that. But if every tooth in our mouth fell out, we'd just, we'd be just fine. We may have to gum down our food, but we'd be just fine. We put all this effort into our teeth and not, what are we putting into our heart and lungs? And so your body matters. You only get one. You may be able to replace some parts. Thank goodness. Uh, but really you have to live with this thing. You got to float around earth. And the less you do, the more pain you will eventually incur through sprains, strains, and tears through falls, through lethargy. Uh, life is not a lot of fun. Even if you make it to 85, if you're not in good shape and you haven't done a lifetime worth of work, to earn healthy status, being stuck in a chair or bed all day probably stinks. So yeah, it's, it's mindset. You got to understand the value. And then, you know, we're going to, where I know you want to talk about this is even those of us who have done, gone to extraordinary measures to keep our bodies healthy, you know, sometimes tragedy happens. Sometimes we're hit by a bus or a plane falls out of the sky and drops in our head, or we get diagnosed with a illness perhaps genetic, perhaps environmental. Um, but yeah, it's, we need to prepare our bodies to do battle today, because if you are strong and healthy going into any situation, you are far more likely to rebound and recover faster than those who weren't. So, um, you know, I ask, I ask groups all the time, you know, is there any benefit on any given day to being weaker versus stronger? Any benefit? Answer is no. And it's not, no, it's a hell no. <laughs> so, so you move a little bit, you sit in your chair and you watch the zoom and you lift your arms. If everybody listening and watching today, just start, right now, just starts lifting their arms, flap your arms like a bird. Okay. Then we've accomplished something. You know, it's interesting that you talk about movement. Um, my husband is not an exerciser. Um, he talks about it, but you know, it's right. As he says, it's not in his DNA, but he was watching a commercial the other day. And there's somebody who's sitting on the couch and there's this thing that you put on the floor and it moves your legs back and forth. And he says to me, oh, I should buy that. And he's always looking at things to buy. And I right. said, no, what you really need to do is get up and walk around the house a little bit or yeah. go outside and take a walk. And yes, it's very cold and snowy here in Northeast Ohio. So he's probably not going to take that walk. But I said, I understand what that thing is for, for the right. person who really can't get up and move, but you need to try to move. Well, and, and it's important to know the difference between these machines. If they're moving his legs, he's not exercising. It might be increasing mobility and blood flow, but exercise is self-propelled. And, you know, what I recommend to you, if you have a husband, clearly you probably want him around a lot. You want to have a nice life together is um, turn on some music and say, honey, let's dance. You know, if you're, if it's about quality time, you know, can you walk the dog with me? I'm feeling a little lonely or I could use some company, whatever it is. Let's, let's go to the baseball game. If you're going to the game, maybe you have to park and walk really far. There's or shop shopping is exercise. You're walking around. And so 
um, or at least it's being physically active. So yeah, invite him, invite him yep. to dance. But if, if an, if an apparatus is actually moving you, that's not exercise. It might help with mobility, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to be confused. Uh, well, it, and I'm glad you said that now I have it on the record. So yeah, but tell us a little bit, you were, you started really exercising completely after your injury. Okay. Yeah. You got yourself in better health but the big C hit you. Yeah. Yeah. So that way, you know, the, the knee injury and I started teaching fitness many, many moons ago. And, and since then I've, I've, uh, I was a competitive kickboxer for many years and a half marathoner and an obstacle course racer and a water sports junkie. And I really am the girl who walks the walk. I don't just tell people to exercise and then sit around. I've, I live that healthy life fully. And so December of 2018, I went in for my annual mammogram, which is a part of not only my 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 professional platform, but something that I'm committed to. My attitude has always been, and, and I'm on record for many years saying, hey, if just one cancer cell comes near me, I want to know about it. And so I get those annual exams of all sorts, the, the pap smear and the mammo, and I get my eyes looked at because I'm Irish and I hear melanoma hides behind your eyes and I, and I get my skin checked and I do all the things. And so December of 2018, I walk in and I come out with a clean mammogram bill of health less than six weeks later in a hotel bathroom at a race weekend, I rubbed my under boob and I found a lump and it was very, it felt like there was a black bean under the skin. And I thought, Oh gosh. And I knew what it was. And so what the most important thing I did that at that moment was I took action. I didn't call my mom and cry. I didn't whine to my friends or Google it. I picked up my phone within 30 seconds of finding the lump and I called my gyno and I said, Hey, I found a lump. And they said, Hey, we'll get you in. And within three days I was there, they felt it. I, a few days later, I had a um, mammogram ultrasound and, you know, I really didn't, I didn't even tell my husband. I didn't tell anybody. I just thought I'm, I'm not crying over milk that hasn't spilt yet. Maybe it's nothing. And so not only did they see the tumor, but the radiologist said, Hey, you know, we see three hard swollen lymph nodes we're really concerned about. And that's when the water work started. And I thought, Oh gosh, I've got cancer. And then I thought for sure I'm dying. And uh, the next day was a punch biopsy. And within a few days later, I was told you have breast cancer and, uh, you know, I'm the most positive person in the world. In fact, uh, bad attitude and, uh, <laughs> I don't know, negativity annoys me very much. But I just thought with no data to back it up, I just thought, you know what, I have the perfect family, the perfect career. I'm traditionally the perfect image of health and happiness. I'm going to make the perfect tragic tale. And, and so I was, I was hit pretty hard. I was very scared. And most importantly, I was scared about not seeing my children grow up. And any parent will tell you, you know, it's, it's them, you know, yeah. I love me and I work hard to have a high, a wonderful life too. But I look at Ginger and Parker and just, you know, it was, it was horrifying. So fortunately, um, my doctors, I, I gathered the A-team and the oncologist I met with, he said, Hey Fitz, listen, 94% uh, of all breast cancer cases are curable. Your specific type of breast cancer is specifically curable. Um, it's going to be rough, but you're going to be okay. And so that really was a turning point for me. Even though your doctor told you that, and you yeah. have this positive attitude, yeah, um, it still has to be very frightening. Terrifying. Terrifying. And there still has to be some doubt in the back of your mind. Yep. You know, is he telling me this 
because he wants me to fight harder? Or is it true? And again, none of us have a magic wand. We, we don't know. Yeah. Um, but you had to go through chemo. You had to go through things that really bring you down. Yeah. How did you handle that? Well, you know, I, I was very human. It's funny, uh, all the all the world reach out to say, you're the strongest girl I know, which is all very kind and stuff. But the reality is I'm human and I'm a, a medical wimp and a needle phobe. And so it's not just fear of death. It was fear of the at least 1000 pokes I received, you know, constant needle pokes and um, the MRI. I'm, a, I'm claustrophobic. I have all these things of strength. Things for me are going really well, but there's a few things. <laughs> <laughs> there are hot button issues and needles and tight spaces are one of them. And so there was a lot of fear and tears. There were a lot of tears. And uh, one of the things that I found myself doing throughout the treatment and my treatment course was I had 15 months of chemo. The first five months we called the mean chemo because it was particularly brutal. And for me, I was violently ill every day for five months. It was horrible. Uh, and of course I went bald and I, I had all sorts of crazy symptoms, which is kind of why I wrote the book because nobody talks about the weird stuff. Nobody talks. They were like, Hey, you might be sick. You might be tired. You might be bald. And I was all those things, but then my nails ripped off and I had a skunk stripe in my head and my eyes changed colors. And so there was all these wackadoo things. So, um, but I had 15 months of chemo, 33 rounds of radiation, lumpectomy, uh, they took a bunch of lymph nodes. And so that was where I went. But, um, but what I found myself doing, and I've never been a self-talk person, but when I was going towards one of these, uh, like an MRI or going towards chemo, I would remind myself, Hey, you know, you can do hard things. You have built an international business and you were a competitive kickboxer and you've raised two great kids. You're really good at doing hard things. You can do hard things. And, and what I, I didn't even realize, it just became this mantra. I kept talking to myself. I wasn't telling anyone that I was talking to myself, but that's how I was able to put one foot in front of the other. And um, that's actually like the, I can do hard things. Sticker. Yes, I love that. That's the gift with purchase. But, um, but yeah, I had to remind myself every day in all sorts of circumstances that I could do hard things. And eventually I had said it enough that I was done with it all. <laughs> and now I'm still convincing myself I can do hard things because I do take on some pretty absurd challenges sometimes. But uh, but yeah, it was tough. And uh, I, I, yeah, it was tough. It was tough. Well, I, and anybody who says cancer is not tough, um, they're, they're not telling us the truth. Okay, yeah. it's, it's not a... I don't care who you are. It's not an easy process. It, uh, it comes with various grades of difficulty. Some people right. get off pretty easy. And then, and then many of us go through, you know, get dragged behind a horse, but it's okay. That's okay. Well, and for those who are listening, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily cancer that, you know, attacks us. It can be yeah. anything physical, anything emotional. Yeah. Um, I'm going through, um, an immune um, diagnosis right now. Okay, and the sorry, medication they've put me on, um, it's, they say it's like a very light chemotherapy. Okay. And I can't imagine going through chemotherapy because of this. Okay. Yeah. Um, because within a half hour after I take the medication, um, I feel foggy, I'm nauseous, but I too keep saying to myself, I need to do this. 
I'm going to do this. Um, and yeah, there are days like last night when I said, no, I'm not going to ride my stationary bike tonight. I need to give myself permission. Yeah. But there are other nights and most nights that I say, no, I've got to, because that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me strong. Uh, that makes me know that I am alive and well. So for those listening, you don't have to have the entrepreneurship that Fitz has, although it's phenomenal what yeah, you've created. But you have to have that inner strength. And I think we all have it if we allow ourselves to feel it. So you're right. And, and so besides the mantra of I can do hard things, this is some decisions I made right up front that I think were priceless. And, and you could use them in any sort of difficult situation. Number one, I chose to lean on perspective. And Many years ago, I was at a, I was at the grocery store and I went into the 10 items or less lane and with my small amount of items. And I stood in line behind a woman who was 9 million years old and she had 75,000 items and she was paying with a check. And internally I was grousing. I would have never said something <laughs> to her face, but inside I was thinking, OMG, are you kidding me? And then I looked next door in the aisle next to me, the checkout lane, and there was a beautiful little shiny snow white dress on a little girl with a very bald head. And at that point, I was reminded that um, this checkout lane wasn't so bad. You know, that poor child, what she must be going through and her parents and moving forward, if it wasn't cancer, I was going to have a good attitude and make the best of any situation. And so then all of a sudden it was cancer. And I also <laughs> I thought, OK, I could have the pity party. Um, but that just doesn't suit me. I don't, I, I don't enjoy, I don't admire the victim mentality. It doesn't ever appeal to me. So I chose to be the victor. And by that, um, number one, I chose to have perspective. So it was cancer, but um, I wasn't a kid with cancer and it wasn't my kid with cancer. And so I wasn't going to have a pity party. I wasn't going to complain. I was going to just suck it up like a good little soldier and get through it. Did I cry? I did. And I cry alone in my bathroom, usually not to impose on my family. But I, I got through it without being miserable, without why me. Never once did I have the why me. Number two, I chose to pursue my passions. And this is important for everybody every day, sick, hurt, or not, is that you have to have things in your life that lift you up, that fill you up and make you feel like you. And so for me, I decided right away, no matter what was going to happen. Now, mind you, I had no idea what I was in for. Um, but I decided I was not missing special moments with my kids. If they had a game, a performance, a graduation, et cetera, I was going to be there come hell or high water. And I was. And the other thing I decided was I was not um, letting go of my career. And so my career puts me on a plane almost every weekend of the year or most of them and jets me all around the country. And it requires a heck of a lot of work, but I love my events. I knew that if I missed any of these events, I would just sit home crying and depression certainly wasn't going to help my situation. And so uh, I made that commitment. I was going to go and I was going to figure it out. And so if you love music, if you can't play music because your hands are broken, fine, listen to music, watch videos of music. If you're in the hospital and you love animals and you can't be on your farm, watch funny animal videos. I mean, there's all sorts of ways to keep your passions going under any circumstances. And, and that could be a lifesaver. And then last but not least, I chose to be positive. And uh, I found out pretty quickly, you get absolutely no extra points for being a sad sap, for being the most miserable girl in the room. There was no benefit to that. And, and some people have that in their nature and I feel sad for them. I empathize. I'm naturally sunny. And, uh, you know, again, I was sick 
But if somebody said something funny, I chose to laugh. And so perspective, passions, positivity, you know, you got to make decisions. You have to control the things you can. And the things I could control were my behavior, my attitude. And um, it's interesting towards the end of the mean chemo. And, and I had really fallen apart. I had broken down dramatically. I hadn't been able to exercise for three months and I was hospitalized at one point. And again, every cell in my body had something wrong with it. And my oncologist, he says, Fitz, you've done so great. <laughs> and I looked at him and I was like, what are you talking about? I have not done great. I'm a mess. I'm a basket case. And he said, no, you've done so well. And I said, why are you saying that? He said, listen, uh, I agree that you have suffered. You have had a lot of suffering and I feel bad for that. He said, however, if you were not so healthy and fit coming into this, you would have been hospitalized for a month. You would have had a feeding tube and a drain. You would have had infections because of those tubes and drains. Instead, you only got hospitalized over once, one night, and I had some transfusions, which I didn't like, but um, he said, <laughs> instead of being hospitalized for a month, you traveled the country having more adventure than most grown-ups have in a lifetime. So yes, you've suffered, but your health and fitness worked. The thing that you came in here so proud of, it worked, it sustained you. And, uh, and that's, that's the message is, you know, control what's in your brain. And then right now, today, this instant, start respecting your body, start watching what you put in your mouth, because there's food that hurt. And there's foods that help choose more foods that help. You can still have some of the hurtful stuff for fun on occasion, but then figure out how to move your body, make it strong. And, um, and, and my recovery was, long and I had to be patient. So I started, um, I was emaciated. I lost a lot of weight and I was weak, but I went through baby steps and I, and eventually I got there. So, so yeah, respect the body, respect the mind, do better. Well, and it's, it's everything you're saying is so important. I think most of us know it, but we get very complacent. Yeah. Um, and if we don't have that positive attitude that we allow to come out, um, I know for a very long time, um, I walked around thinking um, there's nothing positive in my life, even though I could sort of feel it in my gut, I wasn't yeah. allowing it to come out. Yeah. And when I finally did, and actually it was through the help of my husband, he saw me getting very, very depressed. Um, and one night he just said to me, we're going to the comedy club. And I looked at him and I said, there's no way I don't want to laugh. I'm not going to the comedy club. He said, you're coming. And if you want to sit there and cry, you can. If you want to sit there and just ignore everything, I don't care. We're going. And I went begrudgingly. However, within the first couple of minutes, I started smiling. And then from smiling, I went to laughing. And when I walked out of there, I felt like I was on a cloud. And the first thing my husband asked me is, how are you feeling? And I said, I'm not having any pain right now. And he said, physically or emotionally? I said, both. Wasn't sure what I felt, but I didn't feel pain. Well, and, and he took me the following week and it became a routine until I realized I don't have to go to the comedy club to laugh. Yeah. I can laugh anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have so much control and, uh, I don't like feeling down and depressed. And so I really, like I said, I, I empathize with someone who feels that way naturally, and I hope they get whatever medical help they need to help alleviate those 
feelings that just, right. you know, come over like a wave, but we do have a lot of control over our outcomes and our mood. And, you know, for me, that choice to take, to pursue my career, it's funny. I would, I would go to board the plane in Gainesville. This is where I live, Gainesville, Florida. And my husband would drop me off at like 5 a.m. in the the airport, we'd be standing in front of TSA and he would look at me, look into my glossy eyes and my bald head. I never wore a wig. So I just looked, I looked the part and he would say, how are you going to do this? And I just would look back and say, well, I just will. And then I had to manage violent stomach bug symptoms on an airplane and a terminal. And, you know, the whole thing, I would go to my point B, get IV fluids there. I would sleep on the hotel bathroom sick all night, you know, wake up at four o'clock in the morning because races start early. And then magically, once I stepped onto my stages with all of those people, all of everything that was wrong with me dissipated. You know, I didn't feel the sickness and I didn't have the headaches. I had this green sludge under my skull that just disappeared when I was race announcing all the bad things or most of the bad things whisked away because I was laser focused on something, everything, but me. And the thing that I was focused on was this pack of humans who are working really hard for their own health, great causes, their communities. They're the most wonderful people on planet earth. And so how, how could I possibly focus on me? And so that was this incredible gift of that decision to, you know, forge on because if I hadn't had those moments race announcing and, and they were long days, you know, 10 hours at a marathon or five hours here, I would have just been sick. That's all I would have been. All I would have been is a sick person. But thanks to those decisions, I was a race announcer. I was noisy. I was fun. I was energetic. I got stranger hugs. And, um, you know, I never, I never cowered from any of it. I never wore a mask. I never, I, I was the most immunocompromised person on planet earth at one point. And man, I got every hug that I could get and my life was better for those people. So, so find the thing that makes your life better and then force it. Even if you don't want to get up and go, you know, obviously your husband encouraged you, not everyone has a great spouse. So figure it out, just show up somewhere, show up somewhere, anywhere, but your dark, dreary bedroom. And eventually someone, someone will distract you in the right way. And you'll go, okay, this is what Fitz was talking about. I'll, I'll come here more often and, and then just keep going. So how did your children handle all this? Um, you know what? Interesting. At first, uh, my son, he was 14 at the time and I gave him the good news, bad news. I was like, Hey, or the bad news, good news. Hey, look, bad news. I got breast cancer. Good news. Totally curable. I'm going to look weird, feel sick and I'll be fine. You know, it's one of those things. I still wasn't convinced I was going to live, but the things you do for your kids, right? So he, um, he was very sweet. He took it peacefully as he's a quiet kid. And he goes, I think you're going to look really cute bald. And I just thought, oh, bless your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Swoon. Right. So Parker was easy. Ginger was 16 at the time and, um, she was devastated. She sobbed. It was very painful to go through that reveal process with her, but (laughs) as my kids are very, very resilient, as many are, they quickly, turned into uh, making fun of mom's bald head and uh, and laughing. And they have their own wonderful lives, busy school days and sports and acting and so forth. So uh, we, we never took them to a scary appointment. I only took them to two. One was a celebration of finishing radiation where I rang a bell. The second was they showed up at the end of my final chemo and we did a TikTok dance in the lobby. Uh, but yeah, I kept them away from the scary stuff. And 
you know, fortunately they're just funny, sarcastic, bright kids and, and they handled it really well. And, and that's wonderful. And that's yeah. part of your personality and obviously your husband's as well, yeah. because without that positive reinforcement, that probably would not have been as easy for them. No. And I know as a parent, we tend to want to do everything for our kids. Um, even sometimes, you know, grit our teeth and lie just to make them feel yep. more comfortable. Yeah. Um, and so I totally understand that I have two grown sons. And when I tell them anything about my health, it's always, well, we're not going to worry about it. Okay. Yeah. I got to tell you because I don't want you to be surprised, right. but you know what? I'm still doing all the things I need to do and I'm going to continue to do those. And on the rare occasion when I don't, um, I might, you know, ask for your help, although I'm not very good at asking for help. Um, so what I love about your journey is that, you know, you, you admit that you're human. Very, that, very. That you know how to cry. Yeah. You've been in pain, but you look for the answers to get through it because sitting on your couch, withering in pain, no. people are eventually going to ignore you. You know what? Uh I mean, it's just so bad. I look at what the government has done to people. I mean, preventing diagnosis by preventing early exams. And I mean, there's been so many bad decisions on behalf of the government that have been so harmful to humans. But if I had been isolated, I just can't imagine. You know, I look, I look back on my cancer experience and I think two things. I think, holy crap, I can't believe that happened to me. I, I can't believe I was bald. And I, and I look back at some of these outlandish experiences and I just... I can't believe it happened to me, but the further and further I get away from it, um, the more proud I am, by the way, I handled it. And, and again, like I was human and I hope everybody could have this experience. I had, I have a unique career that provides some rock star moments, but just in general, I look back and I think, yeah, I did that the right way. Um, and, and that's really one of the greatest gifts I have from the book now is that, uh, and I don't like, to, <laughs> it's interesting as we talk about me, my whole career has been about helping you. It's helping others live better and longer. I don't usually post pictures of me exercising and stuff. It's all been about how do I help the other people? Um, but now I find that, you know, these words in the pages help have all these cancer patients reaching out and saying, I am doing so much better now after your book, you know, I feel stronger. I feel more capable. There's far more women rocking the bald head, which is great. I mean, wigs are fine too. If that makes you happy to me, they were uncomfortable and they made me feel sad. So I just decided, no, I was sad enough. I didn't need anything else on my shoulders, but uh, it's nice to be able to help people. I, I, I really, I figured it out just kind of the hard way. I didn't have any guidance, but those those things that were already important to me, you know, being, uh, trying to be happy and always using perspective and doing the things I love. I hope no matter what happens to me, I do that. You know, I'm the person who thinks, God forbid, I was a quadriplegic. If I got hit because that happens to people, how would I do what I do? I would figure it out. And I want everybody else to be of like mind that you figure it out because you only get one life. And, uh, you know, even with Betty White, 99 years old, almost a hundred. And we think, damn it too short. 
So, you know, what, however many days make it a good one, fill your days up. And, uh, I, I lost a friend last year, 50 years young. She was beautiful and athletic and wonderful. And she had an aneurysm and just basically disappeared. Uh, but she had a life well lived. And that makes me so happy for her that she had a life filled with adventure and success and family and friends. And, you know, do that, do that for yourself today and inspire your kids and your friends too, because we can all have a really good life. Nobody, nobody has to miss out on that. Well, and that's one of the main reasons why we started Avoid the Maze, because we are all walking through a maze of life. And you know what? you're going to have your bad days. You're going to have your good days, but we have a choice to have more good days than bad days. And I always share this. My father was, um, he was born in 1917. He was a victim of the Spanish flu. Um, and, um, he his mother was told when he was around three or four months old, your son is not going to make it. My father obviously made it because he became yeah, my father. Yeah, there you are. <laughs> um, and yet it affected his heart. He didn't know he had a bad heart until right after he got married and was turned down when he went to enlist uh, for World War II. So my father lived with pain for many years, not even knowing where it was from. Right. Um, but he woke up every morning and he looked in the mirror and he said, good morning, handsome. It's ah! a great day. And I remember as a young kid hearing him bell that from the downstairs bathroom. And I would laugh like, you're not supposed to say that about yourself, you know? But I understood it, especially in the last couple of weeks of his life. He still had that positive energy. He knew he was dying. Okay. Yeah. He didn't tell us he was dying. He didn't want us even think that way, which was wonderful on his end. But he would always tell us, you know, that he was one of the luckiest men in the world. And, you know, I got my strength from him because it's like, you know what, even on my weakest days, I can't think about anything other than the better tomorrow I'm going to have. So beautiful. Number one, how fortunate of you to have such a a, a delightful father was powerful, I should say. Um, But it reminds me about a month or so ago, I was in Alabama to give a keynote. And, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a bull in a China shop. Sometimes I say what's on my mind and I, I speak very honestly. And sometimes it's brutal honesty, but I, my keynote pushing the envelope with the three piece. So the things we've talked about perspective, passions, positivity, but I am going through perspective and this and that. And, and again, fairly forthright about everything. And, and everybody in the room is kind of like nodding gently. And then there's a woman in a wheelchair and she is like pumping her fist. Yeah, there's a blind guy in the corner. And, you know, it's the people that struggle the most get it. You know, they, she never felt like, oh, I was offending her because I was saying you got to you know, suck it up and move on. She was like, right on. You are speaking the truth. Thanks for speaking for all of us. So uh, yeah, I mean, similar type of attitudes. And of course these were people, they were out like going out to exercise and stuff. She's in a wheelchair. She's racing in a wheelchair. She's, we have so many people like that. It's just, um, I don't know. We, we can choose to be stoppable or not. And I choose not to be. Well, I love it. 
So tell us a little bit about your book. How can we find it? Because, you know, I think all of us can get some strength from it. Yeah. And they can have some good laughs at my expense. That's really, you know, I, I, I thought about, you know, people need to hear this good stuff. And then they hear about all the ridiculous insanity that went on when my breast cancer collided with race announcing and travel. And it's very, very funny. People say I cried a little, but I laughed a whole lot. So that's more importantly, but it's called my noisy cancer comeback running at the mouth while running for my life. And uh, it's available wherever books are sold. So Amazon and Barnes and Noble, yada, yada. However, if people come to fitness, that's F-I-T-Z-N-E-S-S.com. If you order from me on fitness.com, all the books are autographed. And I put the, I can do hard things stickers in as a free gift. So, uh, and then it's audiobook, ebook. You can get it wherever you want to get it, but um, it's doing well and it's helping a lot of people. And again, you could laugh at my expense, which is really what I'm out for. A few good laughs. Well, I love it. You've been wonderful today. I want to thank you for being with us and starting off our new year um, with a lot of hope and, Good. Uh, you know, you've been excellent. We'll have to have you on again. Okay. I love that, Karen. Thank wonderful. you for having me. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye now. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means six flags in the taste of an ice cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together. And this Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. This is your summer. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com Coke to save up to $20 on passes. We can fly.